And what's up, guys? This is Anthony Anthem, a.k.a. Black Fabio, a.k.a. The Midnight Marauder, a.k.a. The Monk with the Technique and the Fiery Fist, a.k.a. Fist of the North Star, a.k.a. Okay, we got a special guest. A.k.a. The Man with a Thousand Names. Good Lord. (laughs) And I'm already getting roasted. Would you (laughs) like to introduce yourself, sir? Yeah, of course. Uh, greetings. My name is Kennedy Phillips. Uh, I'm the creator of uh, Magus Elgar uh, by trade. I'm a sound editor and video editor and Foley artist and voice actor. Extraordinaire. So you're a man of many hats, I see. You kind of have to have many hats in my field. <laughs> well, since I got you on here and I appreciate you for coming on to the show because I love having dialogue with different folks from different strokes. Tell me a little bit about, uh, tell the fans a little bit about your show, my man. Well, um, my show is called Magus Elgar. It's a fantasy comedy inspired by the works of Terry Pratchett. Uh, if you're not familiar with him, he was J.K. Rowling before she got big. Uh, he he wrote the Discworld series, which is kind of like uh, Lord of the Rings written by Monty Python. Uh, very tongue-in-cheek, <laughs> very humorous. Um I love Monty and I, I absolutely love this guy's sense of style for, for his writing. Um, so I took that and I, I made an audio drama out of it. Uh, the premise is it's a, it's a blend of magic and science colliding together uh, between two uh, dimensions in mm-hmm. which uh, Magus Ilgar and his apprentice Udo Malaki uh, team up with uh, scientists Dr. Gra Horatio and Kaylee Fawn to search for stamps, scientific tools augmented with magical power. Wow. Searching for a way to try and uh, solve them before all reality rips apart. Or instead of solving it, at least watching it happen. <laughs> okay. Ladies and gentlemen, um, I think we're about to get our mind blown. Because this man right here is explaining something that I feel like um, is a new thing in a new realm that I haven't really seen in the podcast. I got to listen to some of his stuff. And I'm not going to lie, I, I snorted a couple times. That's how funny the show was. And I like the fact that like you got like multiple voice actors on there. Like, How many voice actors do you have on, this sh- on the show? Um, anywhere, but I think it's like between 12 to 15. Um we we had a lot of ex, uh, people doing like extra bits and stuff, but we have we have some great voice talent in there. We've got uh, William Vilenis playing Megas Elgar, Christopher Moore, Sandra Espinoza, who's pretty famous on YouTube, uh, Brian Stavali, who's done everything from Batman to Venom, um, uh, Kellen Goff, who's getting really big. He's about to be one of the big uh, villains in uh, My Hero Academia. He plays Wizard Quaff for us. What? Oh, yeah, man. Dude, I love my hero. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, um, I, I can't remember the name of the guy right now. He's uh, It's like the newest season they, they, they dropped him. Like, he's the guy with the big beak and who's coughing all the time. Uh, the big beak and who's coughing all the time. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm trying to think here. Let's see. Okay, I know there's a shadowy figure one. There's a girl that drinks blood. There's a guy that basically engulfs everything in the flames. There's a guy who has his, has like the mask with like the hands and stuff. 
think. Uh, Kai Chisaki. Kai Chisaki. Yeah, like he just he just uh, uh, they haven't um, they haven't animated like I don't think they've released the newest season of My Hero Academia just yet. They like literally just introduced him in uh, the last season. Oh wait a minute! At the end, at the um, at the very end of the last season. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's gonna be like a ma- I think he's gonna be a major villain in the next season, which they're working on right now. Oh, holy cow! He Have also got- played uh, Freddy Fazbear in Five Nights at Freddy's. Are you serious? Yeah. Weird. Okay. Weird world, right? <laughs> how? How? Like, how'd you get him on the show? It was like honestly, it was a complete fluke. Um, I didn't, I didn't pick him because of like, uh, his fame or anything like that. I picked him because he was the right guy for their job. Um, he's playing a character named wizard quaff. Who's this like really crazy. It's it, like, imagine if, uh, Gandalf and Dumbledore were paranoid. That, that's a weird um, just kind of, this, this man is a, called a consumer of knowledge because he literally eats books. Um, and uh, when when Kellen came into the studio to record the uh, the voice, uh, he's on his phone, and uh, th- th- this guy is like so much younger than I would have expected him to be. And he comes up to me, and says, "Oh yeah, by the way, my NDA just uh, broke out uh, of this. Uh, I I played Freddy Fazbear in Five Nights at Freddy's." I look at him like, "Why? Why did you just tell me this now?" <laughs> he wait, but he just like casually just said it. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he was excited about it, and I, I looked at him like he. I think he was convinced that I wouldn't know what that was. But when I looked at him, and I'm like, lose, I'm, I'm, I'm losing my shit. I'm like, why didn't you tell me? He's like, because of NDA agreements. I'm like, you know, that's fair. Uh, that, yeah, that well, okay, that's fair. But at the same time, that's like one of the most popular games, like in the last like decade. That's one of the most popular games. Like that thing is, has a cult following. It has books. Yeah. It has fan fiction. It has, like, they were talking about doing a movie or something like that on it too. Yeah, I mean, I think it could probably work. But like, um, but like a lot. I think one people, one thing that people really liked about Five Nights at Freddy's is that it was, uh, it had a lot of like background lore to like dig into. Oh, yeah, um, Purple Man and all that. Yeah, and like uh, Sister Location was the one that uh, that he got to play as Freddy Fosbury because Freddy Freddy hadn't didn't have a proper voice aside from just extra voice actor recordings back then. That's right. Um, like as a, as a side topic on that, if uh, if you're really into like that kind of stuff for Five Nights at Freddy's, there's a YouTube series of I can't, I can't believe that I'm referencing this. It is a it is a fake YouTube of a fake let's play of a fake video game that has some really crazy lore. Um, I know hmm. game theory was making a whole series about this. It's called Petscop. 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 Huh? Uh, like it's, it's actually really trippy. Cause this, this, it's like this, it's, it's a YouTube series where like every single aspect of this fictional PlayStation game is meticulously crafted to tell this really creepy story. Where, like, they even have, like, glitches that are programmed as part of a, a vessel to tell the story. Really? Yeah. Jeez, that is, I might have to check that out. Like, if you're a fan like, of Five Nights at Freddy's, like, it's it's 
it's really interesting to watch on YouTube. It's also like really creepy. Well, I do like I do like some interesting stuff. Plus, I'm a fan of horror, especially Asian horror and stuff like that. But I also mm-hmm. like this because it reminds me of Asian horror because it has ghosts in it. So I might have checked that out. So things to do. Um, check. I might need you to reference that after we get off of this interview. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll send you a link to it. Please and thank you. Um, I, I think we were talking about something else, weren't we? <laughs> yes, we were talking about the um, the wonderful voice actors. I kind of nerded out about My Hero Academia, so because I'm a huge anime fan. So, um, <clears throat> so back on the topic. So, tell me more about some of the wonderful voice actors on your um, wonderful. Uh, wonderful um, like show. Please tell me. <laughs> I don't know if I'd say wonderful another three times, but <laughs> um, well, one of, one of the voice actors that I got was uh, Sandra Espinoza. Uh, she's known as Dusty Old Roses Online. She's done um, tons of voice acting all over the place. Uh, one that I actually uh, remember that I was uh, a fan of is uh, on... YouTube, there's an animator named uh, Terminal Montage who does this Something About series. Uh, she actually played as a Waddle Dee on, on one of those, and it's one of it's one of her smaller roles, but I loved it so much because she's, like, screaming the whole time. Question, what is a Waddle Dee? Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a character from... Uh, it's a character from Kirby. It's uh, one of uh, King DDD's minions. That's right. Okay, I I had to remember that reference. Man, it's been a hot minute since I played a Kirby game. Yeah, she she also plays uh, uh Brawl Star. Uh, she also plays Shelly in Brawl Stars, that that new uh, mobile game. Oh, she uh she wait, but wait, but what? Really? Yeah, she's all and she also plays Elmira in I think it's Final Fantasy Machine Abridged. Jeez, Louise! Okay, like she, so she she's gets... done quite a few things. Uh, like she played uh, Demeter in Apotheon. Uh, she, uh, I think she was the the female scout on a mod for Team Fortress Two. But like, oh. uh, it was funny because she had like a pretty big YouTube following, and one of my friends was a fan of her. I was trying to find a good voice for Kaylee, uh, who's this. Uh, She's this. Uh, she's working to get her doctorate, and she's also might secretly be a wannabe supervillain. Uh, she's highly intelligent, uh, highly skilled at almost everything she does, but she gets a little caught up in in being the evil uh, megalomaniac, laughing behind, uh, laughing in front of uh, lightning striking kind of character. <laughs> uh, so when uh, I was trying to cast for for Kaylee, I I could not find someone that was right for it. I had 250 people audition for her, and all of them they were just missing that one little inch. They were all fantastic, just not quite what I was looking for. So when my friend contacted me and told me, "Hey, what about this person?" I'm like, "Oh, she's never going to take this. Like this, she's probably in this echelon above what I'm doing. I'm a nobody." I go and and, and send her a private message, and she sends me an audition within ten seconds. <laughs> and I'm like, huh. that, "That's her. All right, cool. Let's go with that." Oh wow! And uh, so so many of these roles were just I never would have imagined getting them. Like uh, another one was uh, Brian Stavali, um, who. Oh, his uh, 
his his uh IMDb is staggering because he's played like over 400 different roles. Um I'm trying to think of what he's most notable for. I know he played Eddie Brock in Marvel Avengers Academy. Um like he's uh Warwick in AFK Arena, uh he's Bo in Brawl Stars, he's Charles Minor in The Return of Oberdin. It's just he, he's like I'm 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 scrolling through his thing right now. It's just it's in, insane how much stuff he's done. Uh he played actually two roles in my in my show which he both he auditioned both of them over a cell phone. Uh he Hold on. Three, two, one. Hi. Um, so I kind of lost you for a second, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of, I guess I slipped into hammer space for a brief second. I don't <laughs> like really. I was like, did he go to Westworld? What happened? Like, like he just like vanished from thin air to those who are wondering what's going on. So basically, um, so I record, um, I record these interviews on Skype. So like, yeah, we kind of lost each other for like. It, well, well, what happened was is that because Skype is such an antiquated piece of technology, if we're talking about newfangled things for too long, that exposition tends to make Skype kind of get distracted and tune out. <laughs> what he said, all of that, <laughs> like, I mean, I I wasn't gonna go that deep, but you know what, sir? Um, oh God, he's actually... talking about something that came up after two thousand seven. Uh... I, I want to do something else right now. <clears throat> yeah, um, see what it happened was, guys. Um, it broke it for those who are trying to figure out what in the world's going on. But um, we're back. We're live. We're in action. And um, in the words of um, the Power Rangers, back in action is morphin' time. Okay, that was terrible. Don't judge me for that. Anyways, so... <laughs> So we were talking. Uh, we were talking about how, like, you DM. Um, um, what, what was her name? One more time. Uh, my, my name or uh, uh... um, you had um, uh, you were DMing um one of your colleagues for the show, and oh yeah, I was I was messaging uh, <clears throat> I was messaging uh, uh Sandra Espinoza. Sandra Espinoza, remember that name, folks. Yeah, um, she was um <clears throat> she was playing Kaylee Fawn and like she sent me an audition within like a couple of minutes. And I'm like, well, this is perfect. Uh another one that I had was uh Brian Stavali who played uh who, who's played like everything under the sun. He's played um Oh god, he's played uh, uh Eddie Brock on Marvel uh, Avengers Academy. He's done Bo in Brawl Stars. He's Charles Minor in Return of the Obra Dinn. He does a lot of video games and a lot of narration stuff. Um he also does quite a few audio dramas similar to my show. Sweet. And uh oh, he's actually the narrator for Tekken 7. That's random. Wait, a, wait, a, what? <laughs> he's the narrator for Tekken 7. Where are you finding these people, man? He, j- he sent me auditions over over uh, over the phone. I was using Voices.com for for um, for for a lot of my stuff starting out, and uh, they you know they sent me hundreds of auditions. And what was crazy was that uh, uh, got, um, Brian Stavali ended up getting two roles in my show. Uh, he played Got Ironball. 
who's this uh, bumbling uh, former uh, uh, guard for uh, the Council of Nine, who now works for the Ministry of Te- the Minister of Textiles, uh, Minister Trike, uh, Mister Minister Double Trike. <laughs> And uh, he also plays my vill- my uh, primary villain uh, that comes in pretty later into the series, uh, Victus. Wow. Um, I'm I'm just you you're pulling out these names, right? I wouldn't know about a name, right? But when you pull out the fact that they're working on certain, like they've worked on certain projects, things that I know. Especially since I'm like a huge nerd, like I'm just—I'm an open nerd. I'm just gonna say it like that. I'm a straight-up nerd. Nerds but, have, the, have inherited the earth, my friend. Don't feel ashamed of that anymore. We live in a time period where it's actually probably a little bit more taboo to consider yourself a jock. Because so, yeah. they—they hear that and they're like, "Where's your resume? I want to see the skill sets that you have." And it's like, "It's all good, bro. I got it." Uh, you just kind of put a bad taste in my mouth just thinking about um, that, like, being a jock. Like, I mean, I played sports, but I wasn't a jock. It's just, I wasn't like, yeah, bro. Then after that, we're going to go to the Kager at uh, Molly Sapphire's house. Or, that, sounds like a, that sounds like a porn name. Anyways, so. I mean, I, I had sports myself. I was on the swim team in high school, but, you know, that's not something you usually associate with jockish type presences. Yeah, um, I was not that cool in high school. I knew a lot of people. I was not that cool. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, so, yes, nerds have inherited the earth. We're taking over. Um, and um, we have pillaged and um, definitely turned everything into a metropolis of nerddom. I know that was so. Uh, well, terrible. I mean, con- well, I mean, consider that like we're living in a time period where the uh, the highest grossing film of the year is a comic book movie, which is fantastic. I'm just gonna say um, that movie deserves an Oscar. Yeah, yeah, and to to go even further, the uh, most talked about show that's happening right now happens to be a fantasy, Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As speaking of which, do you watch GDLT? You're gonna hate me for this. Um, mm-hmm. So here, here's the weird bit. I watched. I, I have a problem where I usually don't have a lot of time to watch a lot of television. Usually, when I'm done with work, I want to sit down and play, play some games. Um, but right. my roommates wanted to watch me. Wanted me to watch this show with them. The problem is that because I'm so busy, they end up getting ahead of me. So I watched all of season one, which was great. I mm-hmm. watched half of season two, mm-hmm. and then I watched uh, inexplicably season six, seven, and eight. Oh, you skipped some stuff. I skipped some stuff, but you know what the weird thing was? I didn't feel like I missed much, especially after uh, the the most recent seasons. But huh. I, I, it, it was weird because like I'm watching this stuff. I'm like, I know exactly what's going on right now. Why? Why do I know what's going on right now? Maybe it was because I got osmosis from my roommates or something. Because um, one of my uh, one of my friends who who comes to watch it, who happens to be one of my writers now, uh, she mm-hmm. she tends to she tends to scream at the at the television set like it's a soap opera. <laughs> I mean, it is kind of a soap opera. It's like a softcore porno 
So yeah, but I mean, like, I mean, like, a, I mean, like a, 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 a Latino soap opera, like one of those where. Oh, we're like, that we're kind of intense about, shit. Like El Salvador or something like that. Jeez. <laughs> that bad. Uh, she she gets into it. It's it's entertaining to watch. Okay, what what you need to do is you need to get some microphones. And next time she finds a show that has a good cult following, you need to like just podcast it. Like you need to do like um like what is it called um oh, like a reaction. Sh- you need to do a reaction podcast. Cause <laughs> yeah, cause like man. Uh, it's it's kind of funny. She has a she has a uh, a an ability that uh, I and the and I coined from a friend of mine from a long time ago called plot foo. Are you familiar with this concept? No, I'm not. Please explain. Okay, so it's the inexplicable ability that you have watched so many films and read so many books that you become intrinsically aware of where everything is going to go before they've even given you all of the information. So for example, oh. um let's let me pick something that is a good twist but everybody knows about already. Okay. Imagine in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Where Luke Skywalker is is having the conversation with Obi-Wan Kenobi. And he's talking about Darth Vader, and he says, who was, who was a pupil of mine and was seduced by the dark side. Crystal would snap her fingers and be like, that's his father. Ha! And you're like, I don't even know how you came to this conclusion. Like, uh, like a great one is um, spoilers for Frozen, if any of you have any reason to care about that movie. Um, this one was the best example of it. So... The the villain in that is a twist. Like he he tur- like turns out to be a bad guy, and you can gauge how strong your plot foo is by how quickly you identify that he's going to be the villain. Oh, actually, I knew he was the villain because I had to see that in theaters with an X. Right, but how how quickly did you identify it? What was the sentence in that movie that made you say, "Oh, that's the bad guy"? When he wanted to get married to her, like then and there. Okay, so right. so that's that's probably like right after the 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 musical number, right? Where they talk about how they like know each other, can finish each other's sandwiches. Yes. Her her the po- the point she picked it out was, "Hello, my name is this person. I am the uh I I am the uh youngest of seven siblings." And she's like, "That's the bad guy." Yep. <laughs> first sentence, first sentence that he was in. And she picked it out. It's crazy. She must have figured out he had a lot of angst. <laughs> oh man, like, but like, it, it is so challenging to bury the lead for her in 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 stuff. It's it's crazy, but it's it's a fantastic challenge because if stuff passes by her, nobody's gonna get it. <laughs> this is wow. Okay, I'm gonna need to sit down and have dialogue with her. I want to see, I want to kind of enter her mind to kind of see, like, how she views things in life. Because she's this good when it comes to plots. I can only imagine what she's like in the plot of life. She well, might know the, the secret to enlightenment. The nice thing is that when, I'm, when I was working on season two, I, I decided to uh, hire her because 
when I was working on Megas Elgar season one, a lot of times she'd be in the room while I'm writing stuff. And of course you get blocks on occasion because writing a comedy is difficult, uh, making good jokes and stuff. And I can't even, I can't even argue that my show has a great amount of humor in it because a lot of it is just a vessel for very, very painfully contrived puns. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I thought it was very punny, but I like puns. So my life is full of puns. I have but, dad but the, the important thing is, is that they are atypical puns. They're not the kind of puns you normally hear from like your, your dad or something like that. Well, that's I mean, but I mean, I, true. But but I'd have a lot of times where I'd be like, oh, I don't know what to write here. And then she'd be in the room and just like talk it out with me a little bit. And, and you know, she's she's done a lot of writing. She's worked on a, a webcomic. She's um she's working. She's trying to do her own novel and stuff like that. So I asked her to come on to uh, be part of my writing team. I mean, she has a webcomic. What kind of webcomic does she have? Um, well, she's she's part of the writing team for it. It's called uh, The Keystones of Jinveris. Uh which is uh, written, uh, which was drawn and written by a friend of mine, uh, Lucas Chang, um, which was actually based off of a uh, an RPG that we all ran way back in the day. Um, at some point, my character is going to show up somewhere in that comic, but it's I'm like so far in the background, it's not even worth mentioning. <laughs> I to say, um, is it um, is it on webtoons? I don't know. Um, I know he's got his own website for it. Uh, Keystones of Jinveris. Let me look that up. Keystones of Jinveris. Well, shout out to that. Cause I love I love uh, reading different types of webtoons and stuff like that. Um, because uh, I actually had a zap called Webtoons. Hey, speaking of which, Webtoons, sponsor me. I just had to put that out in the air. Yeah, I'll talk. I'll talk to him about trying to put it on there. Like he's still, like he's still pretty. Um, it's still pretty early on, um, but the writing's like really solid. Oh, for, uh, um, where he wants believe to me, they take. One thing I like about webtoons and their platform is they have all types of artists, and like I'm talking about, like you have people from Japan, Indonesia, here in America, the UK. Like it's a very, very diverse, like, platform because you get all types of style. You get some American S style comics, anime. Like you can go down the list. Like, it, there's multiple concepts. It doesn't have to be one side of format of animation. Like, yeah. But, <laughs> anyways, I, I feel keep, like I keep getting derailed about Mega Zelgar. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. I'm doing the same thing. Plus, like. Mega Zelgar, okay. Tell the people how long have you been doing this, my man? I'm embarrassed to admit this, but um, I've been working on this for about three years now. Why are you embarrassed um, about working on it for three years? It's a process, my dude. Well, I mean, part of it was um, there. There were a lot of factors that went went into this. One is that uh, I couldn't treat Mega Zelgar like it was my day job. I wasn't getting any money off of it. I was, I was putting my life savings into this thing. I was, um, this was a testing ground to see if I could direct, mm-hmm. um, and create something that I legitimately wanted to talk about. Um, when I, the first time that I wrote it, I, I went through all the scripts and realized I hated it. And I started from scratch. <laughs> and that was like, that was like what four to six months of work that I just kind of went down the drain. 
Well, I mean, um, the, fact, the fact is, man, like, sometimes you got to build and try again. My my original climax was a battle against uh, um, an imposing machine inside a lab, inside a secret lair in an underwater volcano, and I was bored. Huh. Underwater volcano. I might use an underwater volcano at some point, but uh, you know, I I'm, I wasn't uh, thinking too big on that. I was say like. Were your characters dealing with the Legion of Doom or something? <laughs> All right, are we going like Super Friends over here? It's spoilers. <laughs> no, nah, the uh, but but I ended up rewriting it. I, I wanted to. My, my problem that I was having was that I I didn't have a strong villain, and I I love villains. Villains are so much fun to write, and the one that I had at the time was so ineffectual and uninteresting that I was just like, I can't get behind this. So I went back and I, I started from scratch and, and rebuilt him from the ground up. And then, of course, I had to go on and off uh, doing a lot of the work myself. I had some fantastic people helping me. I had uh, the wonderful people over at Melody Gun Studios, who I was working for at the time, uh, helped me produce it, helped me do some mixing for it, um, so on and so forth. And it took us like it took us about a year to get all of the recordings from all the character uh, for all the characters because a lot of them uh, did not live in California. Uh, some of them had to drive down to record with us, like Brian Stavali, Kellen Goff, Randy Nazarian. Uh, they all came to us to do that. Um, whereas William Bylenis, who plays Magus Elgar, lives in Canada, so there's no way I'm going to get him to come to California. Canada, oh. Yeah, that's a bit of a drive, my man. <laughs> well, he, he lived in, like, what, East Canada, so... <laughs> oh, um, yeah. Um, that's, that ain't happening. That's a plane ride. That's, that's that's a good old, I gotta do a couple, like, transfers through terminals to get to you. And what part of Cali are you from, my man? I'm in, uh, I'm south of Los Angeles. I'm in Lakewood. Oh, Okay. Well, I'm actually South like pretty LA. close to where all the action is. I ended up, I ended up actually getting a house over here due to a lot of uh, lucky breaks on my on my end. Um, but uh, I I told myself when I wanted to move over here is like I want to make sure that I live close enough to Los Angeles, but not close enough to deal with the traffic on a daily basis. Congratulations, sir. That's what everybody wants in that side of the world. Because I've been to your parts. I was um I was staying in San Clemente for a little bit. And leaving LA, it took us about two and a half hours. God, me. right? It's like you just what? want to travel twenty miles across to Burbank to do a recording session. You're like, okay, be prepared to drive for three and a half hours. I'm like, but it's only twenty miles. I know. I, I just want to say this. Not- you know, it's it's bad when the smartest man in the world, one of the smartest men in the world, Elon Musk, is like, okay, this is not going to work. I hate this traffic. So, let's make some underground tunnels to kill the traffic. <laughs> yeah, because nothing, nothing says uh, uh, earthquake-prone state like an underground ra- uh, tra- train network. And that is California. <laughs> An earthquake a day keeps, I don't know, maybe some of the hipsters <laughs> away. 
<laughs> well, then explain to me San Francisco. Okay, see, San Francisco is its own monster, okay? I mean, that's, um... Our okay, I'm trying. a little bit more environmentally friendly than some? Uh, okay, first of all, <laughs> they still can't make a decent coffee over there. <laughs> I go to Seattle with a real hipster bar. That's where they built them at. Or that are Portland, Oregon. I mean, I've never been one to be a huge fan of uh, of coffee. If if my show is any indication that I end up describing it as dirt water. Oh, you are so cold. I don't <laughs> understand why you would think coffee is dirt water. Coffee is good for the soul. I just hate Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, because I, 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 there, there is a a sm- slight amount of suspicion with uh. Like, I, I love the smell of coffee, but I get a tad suspicious when all of the news articles that come out of it says that uh, coffee does everything from cure impotency to make you live 20 years longer to, oh my gosh, coffee is so incredible. I'm like, how much coffee are you drinking while you're doing these studies? Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say this, okay? In defense of coffee, there are signs of vitality in coffee. That is true. And some people drink coffee or, you know, they eat the coffee bean, um, chocolates, whatever, because they want energy. Oh, yeah, like I know a lot of bodybuilders the, the benefits coffee. of coffee. I like I'm more making a joke out of it. Mostly just I'm not a fan of the taste. Man, you haven't had the best coffee yet, man. The best coffee comes from South America um, where we're destroying the ecosystem. So it's um, fancy dirt water. Exactly. You need to get yourself some fancy dirt water, a nice Bolivian or Colombian roast. Um, that you know, I just realized that kind of sounds like I'm talking about drugs here. Okay, so <laughs> and you've <laughs> confirmed my point here. But um, oh. <laughs> you know, fun, funny enough, like a fun fact about coffee is that at one point uh, I had to. One of my characters, Doctor Horatio, is obsessed with coffee. And at one point, he he references a special type of coffee called, I think it was Indonesian Civet Luwak coffee, which is this very expensive, very fancy coffee that I looked it up. And apparently the reason why it's so fancy is because apparently like a Beatles eat it, poop it out, and it makes the coffee better. Oh, sort of like that coffee in Vietnam with the um, lemurs. I suppose so it's like, oh, so I'm eating poop coffee now. Why is this the fancy one? <laughs> yeah, because like in Vietnam, they got that same style of coffee. You got fancy water, you got dirt water, fancy dirt water, and now fancy uh, dirt poop water. Mmm. It melts in your mouth. Mmm. You are paying several hundred dollars to drink sewage at that point. <laughs> Well, I mean, I mean, it's, if it tastes good, I ain't gonna judge you. I might judge you a little bit. <laughs> okay, you are mean. <laughs> Judging <laughs> a man for drinking exquisite coffee from the anus of a beetle. I mean, who knows? It, it might not like cancer. that far from anything else. Most candy comes from uh, most candy coloring comes from crushed be- uh, crushed beetle bodies, anyway. That actually, I mean. Life is unsettling when you break things down. I mean, when you think about it, though, when it comes to, like, beetles, like, 
I mean, it is a source of protein. Like you go to like you go to like a market in like Xinjiang, China, or something like that. There's beetles on a stick. You know, I, I actually had one of those. It's it's not bad. Good source of protein. I wouldn't actually, do it again. Oh come on, man! You got to go for it one more time. I just the taste wasn't for me. Get you some um, get you some grasshopper, um, some fried grasshopper. It's it's really the crunchy texture of it that like really. Uh, it reminds sets you of eating off. bugs. Where I'm just like, you know, I really feel like this shouldn't be crunchy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You look at it, man. It looks like it's like, hmm, that looks crunchy. <laughs> I watched a show called um on um YouTube called Best Food Ever. And he goes on purpose. He goes purposely looking for like weird things in different countries. Like I've seen him eat snake. I've seen him eat crocodile. I didn't even know crocodile was edible. Yeah, man. Uh, I I did not know that. I knew alligator was edible. I didn't know you could eat a crocodile. I was like, well, I guess that makes sense in a way. We eat alligator here in the states. So, as a I mean, uh, born Floridian, yes. Oh, so you already know. You kill it, we'll grill it. <laughs> I mean, I never killed one. Like th- there were a couple well, of places when I was like near the Everglades where they were like offering, and I was like, you know what, fine. You know, it's not bad. It's actually pretty good meat. I think the weirdest one that I ever had was a uh, what was it a croc hot dog? A croc dog? A croc dog? A gator dog? Like I, I call it croc dog because it flows off the tongue better than gator dog. Gator dog. It's like, is it half gator, half dog? Actually, that sounds like a myth. Um, a mythological creature, actually. Well, there you go for your next episode. You can put a mythological creature. Um, a croc dog. You know, I will con- honestly consider that. We, uh, after we finished season one, we've been working a lot on uh, p- developing the world of uh, Magus Elgar for the world the, called the World of Hearth. Um, because one thing that I was a little frustrated about season one, um, aside from a couple of other things, because I'm going to be a perfectionist about my baby, is uh we didn't really explore too many aspects of the world. So when I got my writing team together, uh, a new writing team together to start developing the world, we came up with new races. We came up with locations. We came up with how the planet even looks, which is banana shaped by the way. Um, we, uh, hmm. cause, uh, one, uh, we, we established a lot of different rules in season one, like how magic works where you're literally insulting the laws of nature and goading them into trying to smite you, which you then channel into magical energy. Uh, we, we have like a whole uh, series on YouTube uh, called the uh, a primer, which explains like all this stuff with like nice little visuals and sound effects narrated by Magus Serling Tenton voiced by me. Uh, Ooh, that was nice to uh to explain everything because we talk we talk about like uh the birth of magic how the elements work uh cast what type of casters there are because we've got three different types of casters um in in this world Mm -hmm. um and we we had to come up with a couple of locations a couple of uh creatures and so on and so forth what was one of my favorite things to come up with Mm -hmm. was 
we live this plant in the world of hearth. It's not bound by the laws of physics and the laws of science. So how would that affect a planet like that? What kind of weather patterns and other things like that would be affected if it was not driven by a scientific process, but by a series of emotionally driven, uh, abstract representations of everything around you. Um, Mm. which led us to come, which led me to come up with this idea of something called an emotosphere. So on earth, usually different areas like a forest, a desert, uh, a tundra, those are biospheres. Um, for, for different locations that are that dictate the kind of uh, animal life that comes from there. And a motosphere is a location in hearth that is defined by the emotional state of the elements. Uh, season one, we go to a location called uh, Glumbledon, which is in a place called the, Dol- the Doldrums, mm-hmm. uh, that is defined by the gloomier, uh, almost depressive melancholic state that the elements can get in from time to time because the elements are, uh, they all have uh, their own spectrum of emotions and they affect everything from like uh, getting, you know, really depressed, like in the doldrums to being like really, really happy and excited. Like in the glee winds to being very introspective uh, in the umtinks. Wow. Um, Please continue. Like I'm at, no, I'm actually very intrigued. Keep on going. Seriously. Um, <clears throat> one location that we wanted to explore in season two is called Zandahar. Okay. Eons ago, there was a sorcerer who wanted to create the biggest, most powerful spell of all time. So he etched the, the lang, uh, this, uh, these symbols into the, into the earth. That was like, this like, bigger than a football field kind of uh, size. Um, and in our, in our world, the ancient tongue of trite, which is just a stand in for Latin, by the way, uh, <laughs> um, is a, a language so insulting to the elements that they have a knee jerk reaction to try and smite you. The symbols that he had written into the earth was so offensive and so such a perfect insult that to this day, the elements are still striking that area with incredibly aggressive magic. And the whole place is just basically a giant hole in the ground full of magma. That's, that's scary. Cool. It's literally left a, a massive scar in hearth because that someone had tried to, tried to create the most uh, intense, powerful spell of all time. That man is dead, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I would think so. The way you just explained that, I, I'm I'm pretty sure he is non-existent now. It, it is like uh, we actually have it where like uh, if you look at the map of Hearth, you can see Zandahar from space. Ooh, which just looks big. like this glowing bruise on this planetane that is our planet, Banana. <laughs> so basically, it looks like the apocalypse already happened, just in one spot. Huh. Okay, I like this. I like this concept. Dude, let me ask you this. I gotta ask. I gotta know, how does your brain work? Because it sounds like to me, these ideas that you have, and these thoughts, your brain must run like 900 miles an hour. 
Not as much as you'd think. Um, I would say less that it runs 900 miles an hour and more like it's swerving rapidly between lanes and other people are getting kind of offended by the process because they have to slow down in their areas. And I'm just like, I'm just having a good time because I have a car. Um, I work on what's called the stream of consciousness. A lot of times while I'm, while I'm talking, I'm having other, I I have like another thought running in in the back of my head or when someone's talking to me and I'm like sitting here like, yes, I'm listening. I end up having what's called shower thoughts. Have you ever had these thoughts where you're in the shower, you're just, you're, you're bathing, getting ready for the day. And then suddenly it happens, it pops into your mind. Why aren't baby cats called cattens and not, and, and they're called kittens instead? I've actually done that. I've had a lot of um, thoughts over the years in the shower. Um, I even had a, a thought about Bill Cosby. In the shower, I'm sorry. <laughs> it, it, not in, it, it, it was just like the weirdest thought. I was like, it, it was like, what if Bill Cosby and R. Kelly knew each other? I'm not going to go any further, but you can just tell me. I think you would cause a singularity in sexual scandals. The likes of which we have never seen. uh, Yeah, it's very scary because the first thing I can think of is Bill Cosby giving his, you know, typical Cosby eye to somebody. And R. Kelly comes out of nowhere. He's like, that's the one. That's the one. I got you, fam. (laughs) That'd be a a messed up uh, spiritual successor to Dexter. Oh God, let's just not. Anyway, so like this, this thought process (laughs) thing I have. So problem with me is that uh, I end up coming up with a lot of really fun ideas on the, uh, on the fly, but then I forget about them. And that's immensely frustrating when you have a really good joke and you don't like remember what it was because your, your mind's still thinking about a million other different things. Now, keeping in mind, this has the unfortunate side effect of for every 20 ideas I have, maybe about three of them are good. So I've got people um, to help me filter through them, uh, particularly uh, uh, Ann Woodside, who is uh, my proofreader and now my head of story, where she'd read my scripts and just write in red ink, just, no, you're not making this joke. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and of course, like a child, like a child in a in a candy shop, would be like, "But I want it." She's like, "No, you're not going to have this. This is terrible." But I like it. I don't care. Uh, but uh, so what I end up doing uh, to try and maintain all these ideas is I have um, this massive document that I created in 2016 called Loose Concepts. It's a scratch disk on my Google Drive that just has all of these random ideas from, from lines to concepts to stupid musings that I've had. Um, for example, like I've got it right here. I can, uh, read, uh, one or two of them and you'll get an idea of like what, how, what kind of random this is. Give me what's your best shot, man. Kaldak the troll tour, half troll, half mentor. He runs a bakery affectionately called the Beefcake. Huh? Where, how, shower thought, 
just random thought I had on the road. Um, or here's another one. This is uh, from a, a an exchange that I'm planning to write with uh, between Minister Trike, who is uh, a uh, kind of our villain character, and Magus Elgar. I think I could do their voices to, uh, separately enough. All right, we'll shake on it. Well, you probably wipe your butt with that hand. I'm left-handed, you idiot. That doesn't mean you don't wipe butts with it. I don't wipe butts with these hands. See? <laughs> You're still a liar. <laughs> I like that. I like that. that like uh, another one. I was at I was at a I was at a Renaissance fair, and apparently in uh, May twenty third, twenty seventeen, centaur jousting. How do you unhorse a centaur? <laughs> y- you know what? <laughs> that's that's fun. I like that because, like, how do you want like how houseway? Explain that one. <laughs> Be some gory jousting, I tell you that much. That's pretty much it. It's the fight to the death. That's basically what it is. <laughs> it's like, you will be knocked down, Centaur. You will be knocked down, Centaur. This is basically a fight to the death. Should we just get some actual swords? Yes. Yes. <laughs> that, that, so... Let me ask you this. Okay, so you're kind of you're into like medieval style and fantasies, correct? Well, like... you, funny enough, um, fantasy is not, I would say, my bread and butter. Hmm. What's your bread and butter? Uh, what butter's your bread, my man? Well, um, you, I, I guess it's that I, I base a lot of my inspiration for writing. And stuff from my from role playing games that I run, and a lot oh, of times so you do D and D and Pathfinder and stuff. Yeah, but I, I actually don't do D and D as much as as another system that I have called Savage Worlds, which is a little bit more open uh, for setting. Because with D and D, you've got like, oh, ye old person from Gelgenha wants you to go and collect the coins of Volastrad. Oh, good, you have defeated the goblins, and here, this is your thing. Make haste, young rogue wizard fighter, multi-class. monk, you know, all that kind of... Cause I, I yeah, I'm like, I'm like I, I don't enjoy that kind of setting nearly as much as I do other settings. Because um, uh, one that I would say is probably my bread and butter is this Lovecraftian mystery, uh, mystery uh, that I've been gestating for a very long time now uh because a lot of a lot of my ideas that i come up with for for shows for books for for movies and for you know audio dramas uh were based off of rpgs that i had i had run um and this one was a lovecraftian mystery that takes place in an alternate uh, version of the 90s right when film was about to like start making its transition to digital Ooh. Uh, if I if I may gush about it, it was the quizzical capstones of Octon Frobichobi, which is about a filmmaker who's like this revolutionary kind of Kubrick Spielberg type of guy. Where every time he makes a new movie, he like revolutionizes film as a medium. And on the cusp of him making his uh, magnum opus, he disappears under mysterious spooky circumstances that's awesome 
and these uh, these three women and uh, who are really uh, who are connected to him in some way end up going to investigate what happened to him and the answers behind uh, who not only like what happened to him but who uh, how he became famous in the first place is wreathed in a lot of like really grave unsettling concepts. I I think I could get down with something like that actually. Yeah, the question is, I don't know how how I would want to uh, package it. Do I make it an audio drama? Do I make it a book? Do I try to make a TV series out of it? I don't have the capital for that. <laughs> um, I present it to some investors. Um, take a shot in the dark and hope it aims and hits with a headshot. Yeah, well, right now I'm focusing on Megas Elgar because it's. I like I always wanted to make my own version of like a uh, fantasy in my own way in that I I grew so tired of the elves, the dwarves, the 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 ye old middle earth type of setting where like I love I love Lord of the Rings but everybody mimics it. Everybody tries to take a page from it. But I don't know many people that try to take pages from Discworld which I personally find to be a much more interesting world. Cause in, in like for, for Lord of the Rings, you've, oh, you've got, you know, Mount evil volcano death with the great, uh, Lord bad person who wants to create the, grab the MacGuffin and become ruler of it all. And then you've got in Discworld, you've got the very concept of the grim reaper, dressing up as Santa Claus because Santa Claus has gone missing. <laughs> and he fills in for his job. That's the ho- that's the entire premise of the Hogfather. <laughs> I can dig that. So, I can dig it though. So, um let me ask you a couple things. And this is something I got to know. Okay. So, what inspired you to get into writing, my man? Like like off the fly, like I know you said, um, I know you were talking about like the concept of like kind of having like this Monty Python esque, like um, like part in um in your story. But um, if you could say like off the top, who was your Mount Rushmore of writers that really inspired you to actually take this further and create the content that you have because. I see a lot of potential and greatness in this, especially with the voice actors you have and yourself. You're actually, I love the voices. Like, I actually only do like three voices in my show, but that's, um, that's still good, man. I can't do voices. I, I, I just didn't want to make myself like the lead actor or whatever, because I'd be pretentious as all get out. But, um, mm-hmm. in terms of writing, I'd have to, I'd have to go back a little bit far. Uh, at the risk of sounding a little pretentious to the wee to the wee days of when I was a child on a sailing vessel out at sea. Um, I lived on a boat for about 12 years. And when I was about eight years old, we traveled, my, my parents took myself and my sister and we traveled around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, during that time, there was a lot of periods where we had a lot of nothing. I mean, we had a TV, we had a VCR, we had a game, we had a, I had a Sega Genesis that was hot wired because of all the saltwater damage. But, uh, there were a lot of times, <coughs> there were a lot of times where we did not have the amp hours for our batteries to run the TV. 
So we'd have to find other ways to entertain ourselves. And I started doing this thing where I'd be get climb up on the cockpit and start improving some skits and just make it up on the fly. And it was through that kind of practice that I started to develop a knack for storytelling. Uh, people have always told me that I'm, I'm a pretty, I'm a halfway decent storyteller. I think I'm fine. But oh, uh, give yourself some more, uh, more compliments, sir. But uh, I, I started trying to come up with my own concepts, and and you know, there's that that growing period where like you're in middle school and you're like uh, you're trying to come up with some kind of original content, and you end up pinching ideas off of shit you saw that day. Mm-hmm. But as time went on, I got I got a little better. Um, I got it. I got. I enjoyed. Uh, Authors like uh, Dave Pickley, who wrote the Captain Underpants novels. Classic. Which is, God, such a uh, thing <laughs> to be embarrassed and said, like, yes. I was like, oh, I was inspired by J.K. Rowling. I was inspired by J.R.R. Token. I like the guy that made the superhero about the underpants. Well, shoot. Hey, I read uh, but, that um, back in the day. Uh, there, there was, like, uh, I read uh, one one series in particular, which is the best kind of of uh junk fantasy novels was um the nightside series by Simon R Green where he ba- he basically took a lot of the clichés of like noir investigative uh mysteries and a lot of these weird fantasies stuff and mashed it all together uh to fo- to create John Taylor a private detective in a world in a dimension called the nightside which is in a realm underneath London where it's always three o'clock in the morning and a, uh, a possessed nun will show you her stigmata for the right price. It's that kind of place where like all of the gods and monsters of the world kind of mingle and are gambling with each and are gambling uh, together. And it's got all these like crazy weirdness happening in the series. And I, I loved every second of it. Hmm. Um, I know there's like an audiobook version narrated by Mark Vidor and I, I couldn't get enough of it. Um, but I, I enjoyed that kind of story where the, the world itself is really interesting, but it's not trying to like reinvent the wheel. It's not trying to revolutionize how plot works. It's, it's just cool stuff thing. being brought to you. And of course, like I, um, as I, I started writing one thing that plagues my, uh, writing ability, which makes me a lot, go a lot slower is I have what you would call the original plot syndrome <laughs> in which when I started at what, like when you start out, you're like, I want to make something completely wholly 100% original. And then you start writing and then you're like, oh, wait, this plot sounds really similar to this one thing that I had done a long time that I read a long time ago. Or, oh, this looks like this one show. And you're like, no, 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 go back, go back, rewrite, 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 rewrite. At some point, you have to acknowledge that, like, everything's been done. It's how you package it, how you rearrange things that keeps it interesting. That's very true. Because, like, here's a good example. Uh, uh, Sorry, go ahead. Sorry to cut you off. I'm so sorry. Um there is okay there was an episode of south park and in that episode basically they were stating that 
the Simpsons did this, the Simpsons did that, the Simpsons the episode did that. The Simpsons did it, yeah. Yeah, like, that's, that's, that's just it, like, yeah, the Simpsons have done it, like, Family Guy has done things that the Simpsons has done, but it's still a successful show. Yeah, like, yeah, they even ripped that up from an episode of The Twilight Zone. Right, like, it's, it's normal. Like, right, it but it's again, it's it's how you package it. Uh, case in point, if you look back, um, let's say My Hero Academia, mm-hmm. that is not a very original show. Oh but no, that's sort of, fine. It's basically sort of like, Sky High and Naruto. Heck, I was gonna say X Men. I I would say I would I would argue like in terms of like the the tone and the feel of it, because it's it's like a. Because with X-Men, you're kind of focusing on the adults, but for Sky High, you're focusing on the kids. True. And the kids have, like, a lot of very interesting powers and stuff, and a lot of the draw of it is what their powers are. And then you got Naruto over here, where the 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 plot structure is virtually identical. Hmm. But My Hero Academia is a, is a proper evolution of what Naruto was trying to do, if only because Naruto, I didn't find to be that great of a show. I mean, I watched like 50, I, I had to stop after like 50 episodes of it. And I'm like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> and you're missing like the best parts though. I don't know, man. I, I thought the best part in that whole series was the tuning exams. And then I'm like, you know what? Look at this. It's ninjas actually being ninjas. I'm cool with this. And then they stopped doing that. And I'm like, okay. I mean, it's not like I, I, I missed a lot because like I played uh, I played the video games, which surprisingly makes a really good summary of a lot of the uh, a lot of the stuff that happens in the series, like Ultimate Ninja Storm, whatever. Mm-hmm. I and, mean, and there were there were some yeah. legitimately interesting scenes, like the the weird scene where Naruto talks to his demon finally. Uh, that I that I kind of liked, and then there's the the part where uh, what was it? I think it was Sasuke's brother, where he goes bored now feeding you a crow. Uh, that is true. I'm, but man, did you get to see the Jiraiya versus um versus like Pain and them? I never did. Um, Dude, I I just um like again like Naruto was one of those things where like there were so many things that bothered me about it, I couldn't get behind it. But then with My Hero Academia, there's a significantly less amount that bothers me. Only okay, one so real thing that bothers me. <laughs> Okay, so let me ask you this. What bothers you the most about Naruto? Naruto? Oh, the character himself. I like I I I'm really not a huge fan of the 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 big aggressive dumb idiot who is the main character that for some reason people always get behind and if he if he screams and gets angry hard enough he can punch his way into victory instead of actually thinking i don't i don't enjoy that cuz it's like oh well he's not it's not because he's actually growing as a person it's because he's the chosen one and like the one time that i started feeling a glimpse of that was when again when he was talking to his demon uh the the nine the the nine tailed the kitsune whatever oh yeah but but like i I don't enjoy those kind of characters where it's just they're just loud they're just obnoxious oh you would hate black clover (laughs) i I mean i'm thinking of like black star from uh oh ew no i hate that kid (laughs) yeah it's almost like they took all of the bad aspects of naruto and removed all of the good aspects of naruto what little there is (laughs) 
Black Star was like everybody hates Black Star. I think I I literally there are so many forums just on that character uh, from Soul Eater. Like, but like just, I think I think a great example of like a distilled representation of that type of character is from this from this uh, video game way back when uh, Blue Dragon. Uh, which the art style was done by Akira Toriyama, and it's apparently a comic series, and I think it was a TV series at one point. But I've I only oh, played the one game they put on Xbox that made them um, really compete with PlayStation. Yeah, I mean the story yeah. is not there because the villain is such a uh, Saturday morning Captain Planet kind of stupid. I'm like, I don't know how you're going to make this guy last three discs. Um, well. <laughs> Because his motivations change like every 15 minutes. But anyway, I was talking about uh, Blue Dragon. In the opening scene, Shu, the main character of the, sh- of the, of the game, uh, starts to get in a fight with a land shark, which is this big robot shark that's destroying their town. They start trying to do plans of like trying to catch this thing with a net and so on and so forth. And this kid thinks it would be a good idea to go at it with a fucking butter knife. And he starts chopping up this thing and the kid gets up and he's like, I'll never give up ever. I'm like, you've got a butter knife and you're trying to kill a robot, man. Have some thought about this. And meanwhile, all of the, all of the parents and stuff are on the, uh, on the distance being like, oh man, he really is a true hero. I'm like, he's an idiot. What the hell are you doing? I'm, I mean, he was, he was trying to butter up the shark to, you know, maybe work with his um, boyish shonen type charms. And like uh, again, like Shonen can absolutely be done right. Like that's that's one kind of thing that I did enjoy about My Hero Academia is that the main character, as much of a goober as he is, does He's actually think about how he does things. I wish he thought more because the way that I would have done My Hero Academia was that he never gets superpowers and had to find a way to be a superpowered individual by having to think outside of the box, which is how they were building it up, and then they decided to give him kill everything powers but he still has to think about how he uses those powers that's okay. interesting well so basically you think um you think midoriya should have been more like a batman or something look at his book i mean he had this book I, where he broke down all the superpower superheroes and how he did everything like that and and him trying to struggle of him not being the kind of special quirk thing that everybody else had really tells a story of how of how you can still be special without having these amazing gifts a lot of it really comes down to to hard work i am going to say this i think that's midoriya's quirk he just doesn't realize it yet yeah that's what i was hope that's what i'm hoping it is i just i guess it's like um i i found him more interest i found him potentially more interesting before he had the I can punch a continent powers. Oh, you're talking about uh, the United States of Smash. <laughs> I mean, I mean the, like, I still I still like the character. There's a lot of aspects about him I enjoy. I mean, he's better than Bakugo. Uh, that's just it, though. People are obsessed with Bakugo. Why? He's I don't he's, know. Everybody is, seems is, to be a huge Bakugo fan. with Naruto's temperament. Basically, yes. And 
Yes. I feel like, oh, well, he gets he gets better as a person. He gets he gets he he actually gets redeemed. I'm like, does he? Because I, I like I don't want to I don't want to say spoilers or anything, but there's like a part where they're like, oh man, he stuck to his laurels at this one pivotal point where he could have gone evil, and I'm like, no, dude, they just presented the argument to him wrong. I I'm just gonna say this, okay? People like explosive characters. And I'm not saying that in a literal sense. This is not a pun. I mean, it pretty much is. But still, people like characters with that attitude, though. I mean, it, it's what gets people energy when they watch it. Like, everybody's looking for that character that kind of just s- like wants to set a different type of bar. He's Do you want to know who's a character that I would say would be explosive but still enjoyable? Who? That science chick. The one that creates all the inventions and stuff uh, during the uh, during the, tur- the the weird exam thing that they did, where it was like a tournament, and she invented oh, all the stuff. Talking about what she was stuff. demoing or stuff. Yeah, like she's she's got a very like energetic personality. Uh, I like I like another character is uh, Armstrong from Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. He's got oh, that's my favorite character when he's like in the moment. That's actually my favorite character in Full Metal Alchemist. Or like, um, let me let me what think kind of, of another. Guys uh, like, uh, oh, like another energetic character would be like Varric from uh, the, uh, uh, what is it, um, the Legend of Korra. Like, I found him enjoyable, even though he was a prick. Okay, he was a huge douche. Yeah, he was a douche, but you enjoyed watching him. I mean, he was a height to a point, but. Um, I I will give props where it's due though. Like Legend of let, let me ask you this: Legend of Core or Avatar: The Last Airbender? Avatar: The Last Airbender. I there's no question. the The problem with uh, Legend of Korra, I would say, like from a writing standpoint, mm-hmm. is Korra never learned her lesson. Every season, they would reset her and bring her back to the way she was. So they can continue doing the the conflicts that they wanted to do. Now, if I was if I was to be perfectly honest, the one thing that I would have done to stretch things out to to make things better is that I would have kept Amon around a lot longer because he was a legitimately interesting point being brought about the series that could have lasted a, a good two to three seasons, but they resolved it in one. And that was because he had a lot going on with him. That, that was a very interesting argument, Um, which I will, I will freely admit. I may, I took one or two pages from as inspiration for uh, my own show, but I like to think that I changed up enough aspects of it so that it wasn't just a blatant ripoff or whatever, but (laughs) Um, it's maybe um, an homage. I guess. Like, I, I really found the argument of uh, bending should be should be outlawed kind of thing as an interesting point. But he, he did it for different reasons and that everybody was doing it for he, he the reason why he wanted it gone was because, you know, there were people out there that were not equal. And mm. he preferred like that equalization, which is a different argument than what I had for mine, where I have a, a villain say like look, you guys are using magic, but you're, you're causing untold amounts of destruction. 
Wow. What is the price of being able to shoot lightning from your fingertips? I mean, or I mean, everybody's going to abuse it one way or another. Right, but a lot of it comes down to responsibility and the and accountability. Yeah, true. If, if you're going to have the if you're going to have the wherewithal and the talent to use these amazing abilities, be willing to own up to the consequences of when it goes wrong. Well, true. I mean, I will say this though. I actually liked Legend of Korra. Um, just because of the fact that I don't know, I felt like she did learn something, especially when she lost her powers. Well, um, spoilers, by the way, for this is that I, I would say that when it comes to Legend of Korra, like the, the setting is really interesting. There's a lot of really cool characters in it. Like I love a lot of characters in this. And I also like a lot of where they went in directions. Like there were some very interesting scenes in there. It's just, it was, it's not on par with Avatar The Last Airbender because what The Last Airbender was trying to do was succinct and focused and it understood exactly what it was. Uh, Legend of Korra had that problem that it had the specter of The Last Airbender hovering over it. And they were trying, and, and also they had the specter of Nickelodeon really hating that show hovering over it as well. Well true um but for 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 cora think like let me let me put it like this and this is this is a question i posit to you as learning her lesson sort of thing wouldn't it have been better would it not have been better if they spent if she spent an entire season not having her powers only airbending and having to figure out how to cope with that instead of it getting resolved in one or two episodes by doing the I win God button. That is the avatar state. Well, yeah, I'm not going to lie. There were some things I didn't like about the series though. Yeah. Like I'm not going to say like, it's a bad series by any sense. Oh no, it's not a bad series there. I think everybody had their kind of pet peeve about it in some aspect. My problem with the show was I felt like everything was rushed. Agreed. And that a lot of that was attributable to, Nickelodeon because uh, they thought that they weren't going to get a, a second season when they did the whole thing with Amon. Uh, that's why they're like, oh, press a button. You're back to w- the way you started at the beginning of the series for, for mm-hmm. no discernible reason. Cause if you recall that avatar state required a lot of sacrifice. True. And that, and now she's using it for like really petty shit. Well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna use the Avatar state to cook this toast. That sounds like a okay. good use of my powers. I mean, if you had the Avatar state, wouldn't you want to see what it tastes like to have um, fire bended toast? I mean, couldn't you just do regular fire bended toast? I mean, the difference between fi- regular fire bended toast and Avatar state fire bended toast is toast and a pile of ash. Okay, but here's the thing, though, it might taste godly. Ah! You see what I I did there? I I see what you did there. (laughs) I just imagine you just like uh, doing that uh, finger blasting gesture and being like, I I tip my hat to you, sir. This is is one of the reasons why um, 
I, I, I should never have superpowers because I would just do some some lazy lazy antics. I'd be like, well, if I had the avatar powers, I was like, well, oh, I gotta, I gotta, um, I gotta move some stuff. Okay, earth bending. Yeah, my house is made out of wood. So, boom, everything's packed. Or, you know what? I really don't feel like getting up, but I need a glass of water. Splash. <laughs> like, I, would... I mean, that's that's all stuff for like regular, regular. Um bending in that series like i guess it's more like for for avatar states like well i need to del- i need to take this boat across the uh the ocean i could just you know get in the boat and do it the long way or <laughs> like you just get like tsunami destroy wave. all the islands as i move this one boat <laughs> like you said that you just get like a giant wave it's like this is gonna be big enough to give me the europe in like less than an hour <laughs> It's like I done sucked down like several uh, several um, ships on the way down. The Navy's thinking it's a terrorist attack. Nope, this is me going to Europe. <laughs> yeah, but like, um, but uh, going back to like with Megas Elgar, like a lot of uh, in terms of like that right that that whole thing about accountability, um, mm-hmm. that I kind of wish that they explored a little bit more in um, Legend of Korra. Um, our whole series is a lot about. Uh, creativity about processing that creativity and and the consequences and fallout that comes with expressing that like magic is kind of a stand-in for uh that creative process of like getting inspired making your own creations and stuff you're gonna butt heads you're gonna you're gonna cause some kind of friction in a bunch of places and a lot of times that kind of creative magic goes in directions you hadn't possibly anticipated um and there's a lot of people out there that they don't stand by their creation or they don't own up to what they did with it. True. Know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that's that's actually stuff in real life. Wow. Yeah, like there, there's a lot of people where like they wrote a book or something and then immediately distance themselves from it. I'm like, no, man, you, you got to admit, you got to come to terms with the fact that you made this thing. And if it's if it's if it's a dumpster fire... Or if it's like horribly misogynistic or homophobic or racist or, or any of those horrific words, you got to acknowledge that you did that and express that you're going to evolve from it, that you've grown out of that. So basically, sort of like people would pass tweets on Twitter. In a sense, like, yeah, I wrote that. I was, a di- I was an idiot. Yep. A lot of people would be like, Man, that was a different time in my life. Um, it was like, I should not be judged for this. I do. You were a douchebag. Back then. Yeah, and, and there is there is a certain amount of vitriol that they deserve for that. I do personally believe there is a slight limit. There is a limit to, to the amount of vitriol that is deserved for something like that. Because there's... There are there are people that have like their entire careers destroyed because they said something immensely stupid that might not represent who they are now. Truth. Um because I mean like I think everybody said like something incredibly ignorant and stupid and then went somewhere, got edumacated, and realized, oh wow, I'm a monster. And no <laughs> longer 
those thoughts no longer echo in your head. Cause it's, it's that whole, it's the, it's like that whole thing of, um, I, I was like, uh, an example is I was raised uh, Catholic when I was younger mm-hmm. and my high school religion teacher, cause I went to a Catholic school, um, showed me a list of all of the things that co- constitutes as being a sin. And the whole idea of thinking sexy thoughts qualified as a sin. And I'm like, sometimes that stuff just pops in my head. I have no control over that. I mean, I dare anybody that has that kind of focus to not um, have those kinds of thoughts, like just random thoughts that come in your head. It's how you process them, how you filter them, how you deal with those thoughts that is more important than the thoughts coming in your head yourself. I mean, think about how many times you thought of, of robbing a bank or taking an ax and, and like, uh, like going, going to town on a person you didn't like. It's a thought, but it's not a thought that you're enacting upon. It's not a thought that, that represents who you are. Uh, well, I agree. I mean, it's one thing to have a thought, but to act on it, that's a whole different story. It's, like, it's really how you process it, how how you go through that. And yeah, but I'm not going to lie. Some thoughts don't need to be shared. Own up to it. <laughs> Some thoughts don't need to be shared with the public. That's the problem. Everyone wants to share everything like out there because they want notoriety in some aspect. Well, like that's like the, that's the dangerous thing. I've always I, I I was always against like signing up on social media myself because like I I didn't think that I was interesting enough to talk about my day to day stuff all day every day. Well, which is why my folks you, set me up with my Facebook under protest. <laughs> like you don't even have to like nobody needs to know that you're eating a ham sandwich because <laughs> some people get so it's like oh look at this sandwich I made it's a really good sandwich. I even made the mayonnaise. I'm I'm so tired now. I don't need to um, eat the sandwich now. I'll eat it tomorrow. I'll put it in Tupperware. Like that's how it is sometimes, though. Like people just like put. Stuff yeah, but like be this. honest. Be honest. If if somebody like Beyonce was saying that stuff, it'd be ten oh, thousand people, people go wild. Like, yeah, you rest. You deserve that. That sandwich is is good for another day. It's like, yeah, just take the People tomatoes People be talking off. about it. Oh, of course. Like, on, like, it'll be on, like, The Root or something like that. It'll be like, in other news, Beyonce decided to take it back and make a cold-cut sandwich. More on the story as we go through her Twitter. You know, how many million views would they get if Beyonce, if Beyonce just recorded a video of herself eating a sandwich and posted it on YouTube? Nothing, no music behind it, no nothing, just her sitting there eating a sandwich. You gotta realize, we live in a country where one of the most famous people is Kim Kardashian. Something I will never understand to this day. And, like, she's using her influence to get people out of prison, so what's that tell you? Ugh. Yeah. It's, it's like that one joke from South Park where they're talking about Paris Hilton. Oh, she's very famous, but what does she do? <clears throat> she's famous for being famous. <laughs> I mean, that's that's basically it. I was like, okay, I mean, heck, it's a market for people that are famous for being famous. You see a lot of girls trying to be famous for being famous. 
I mean, <laughs> I guess that's their niche. It's like, people find me attractive. So, look at me. I don't act. I don't sing. I don't dance. I forgot who said that. I think it was um, it was uh, one of the ladies off uh, CBS 60 Minutes. Like, you don't sing. You don't dance. You don't act. What do you do? <laughs> and they're like... You might pausing for a quick second. I got to blow my nose real quick. Um... I have never had a, I mean, go on ahead. Like, I never heard of people blowing their noses. Um, do what you got to do, my man. <laughs> Give me a quick sec, man. Okay, he's going to go blow his nose real quick. So, um, I'm going to go ahead and talk about a couple things. You need to go check out this guy's podcast. Um, I think he's a wonderful gentleman who has a lot of talent and a lot of gift. I've listened to a couple episodes myself. I think I need to listen to some more, obviously, uh, to enlighten myself. I like putting my mind in different places because when you expand your mind and you're opening yourself to the ability of um, really observing different forms of subjects, whether it's fantasy, whether it's autobiography, or whether you're just a plain fan of like, you know, like crime investigation series or whatever it may be, everybody has the potential to be greatness. And I think this man right here has the potential to bring something to the table, especially to those that um, are a part of the um, world I like to call nerddom. Sorry about so, that. I didn't want to like make a, a bunch of unpleasant noises in the microphone. I'm sorry, what were we talking about? Oh, I was just sitting here bigging you up. So, um, <laughs> like, I hope I mean, it wasn't anything mean, like, I think this man is going to be the next great, brilliant person. Sorry, guys, I blew my nose. I'm done uh, now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't gonna go that far. I just told him like, "Yo, man, like, check out your podcast for real, though. You need to check out like what he's doing." Yeah, like, on top uh, of that, I'm loving the voice. I love the fact that you got such a talent for voices. I'm not good at. I'm not good at those. Like, I can't. Like, this is the voice you're gonna get. Like, the fact that you took some time to even perfect, like, just doing voice acting, and you got some of these incredible minds working with you. Like, I am ecstatic to see. You know, different content out there. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, a lot of fun to do a lot of different voices for. It takes practice, though. It seems like nowadays, like, you know, I like listening to podcasts. I listen to a lot of different ones over the like, But it's either, is a podcast trying to be like Howard Stern, or it's another podcast trying to be like this person. You're kind of trying to make your own niche. And I like that. I think it's OG and I think it's original, like, can I say my podcast is super original? No, but at the same time, I'm trying to make like content to where I'm touching on all subjects. I'm touching on all people. Um, I can't even but, pretend mine's like wholly original in a couple of areas. I, I do, as my advertising point, I say inspired by the works of Terry Pratchett. See, but that's the thing, though. You're you're making it your own, though. You're trying to make make it your own like <laughs> brand, your own like story and that's what i like about like talking to guys like yourself man it's just for one i want to support anybody who has a dream or who wants to bring something different to the table that's why i do this show anything on the menu anything on the table or anything on the table anything on the menu well and, um something that i've been wanting i'm trying to do with the series Yes. Um, after we finished season one, we got nominated for best original work by the audio publishers association of America. Really? Uh, which was 
freaking incredible. I got to I got to meet LeVar Burton, uh, Patton Oswalt, and a bunch of people at this award ceremony. Hashtag um, no, jealous. Uh uh, like I got, I got to meet a lot of really incredible people there. I got to meet like my, I finally got to meet uh, William Bylanus and Sandra Espinosa in person. But um, after that, and you know, I'm still working on toying around with season two and all that. But um, one thing that I, I've always wanted has been like a lifelong, mm-hmm. a lifelong dream of mine has been to um, work on an animation. Dope. Give me one second. My cat's meowing. Hi, <laughs> kitty. Done? Remember, ladies and gentlemen, get yourself a cat. Just make sure she's not around when you're doing a podcast. Well, I had her outside. I guess she got let back in. Anyway, um, oh, I wanted to make... Uh, I've, I've always wanted to work on an animated series. So I started working on that. Um, I, I picked up a couple of people who worked on the YouTube, uh, sensation animation called, uh, has been hotel, which I highly recommend looking up on YouTube. They're they're working on building a pilot, like a full episode pilot, which I'm, I'm completely convinced they're going to make into a full series. Um, but, uh, the, um, I'm making a couple of animated shorts. I've got like uh, three people helping me out, getting this all on board. Uh, we we're just about finished with our first one. I don't know if I'm going to put it on YouTube or if I'm going to wait before I show it to some investors or other things like that. But I kind of want to show it to everybody because I'm pretty sure they'd really enjoy it and seeing these characters animated. Because I think the number one criticism I hear about Magus Elgar is I would really prefer this as a cartoon. Well, I mean... Put it into the universe, man. You may get something great out of it. Well, hopefully it'll become something. I don't know if it will, and if not, I've got a bunch of other things I can fall back on, like my day job. <laughs> well, I want I want it to happen, so let's make it happen, okay? Like you need to put it out in the universe, my man. Yeah, yeah well, plus... the one thing I the one thing I have to really acknowledge about all this is that I I have to ex- I have to acknowledge going into this that I am nobody. I don't have any prior projects that I'd worked on that's big enough for people to be like, oh, it's this person or a reputation of the things that I've created. So I I went into this assuming that people would be like, oh, I don't know about this guy. I don't think he's going to make anything too hot. So I said, well, all right. And in my best uh, trailer voice, I go, if you want to listen to Magus Ilgar without being f- without being fearful of having to put money down upon it, the first three episodes are f- available on YouTube, absolutely free. There you go. Here's my thing. I think if you have the right drive, the right hustle, and you're doing your marketing and you're working your ass off, man, it pays off. Well, there is a there is a piece of this that most people don't seem to acknowledge. What's that? And that is luck. No matter oh, how hard you work, no matter how hard you put your all into it, there is going to be a percentage chance that it's not going to work out. And it might seem like I've got everything working out right now, but it's it's still like a bit of a struggle. There's still a lot there. There there's a lot of unknowns that I don't know what's going to happen about this 
Oh man, um, that's why it's a journey, man. You gotta just take the ride. It's and... the risk that's that's what's important. Is that you have to be willing to take that risk to do it. And I know yeah. that, that sounds like every motivational speaker out there right now, but well, you're speaking I pure cannot facts, man. tell you how unbelievably terrified I am right now about this not working out. I bro- well, I'm probably sure that if, if, if this ends up not working out, I'm going to spend like a couple of days like eating uh, ice cream, crying as I watch reruns of old television shows. Like, I don't know, I'm Beast sure. Wars or something. But, uh, but you know, I'll get over it and I'll, I'll find something new to, to put my passions behind. But this I'm putting... I'm putting a lot of myself into this when it comes to not, not, not just like my own energy and time, but my, my creative drive, my, my finances and other things like that. And I keep having that voice hit my head. I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if people are going to like this. Well, no matter how good your product is, no matter how good or bad it is, that thought is always going to be there. I don't know if this is going to be something people will like. You know, I don't think you have to worry about that, man. You have great content. And I'm going to just say this, man. So a man think it, so a man is, bro. Like, I think you need to think more positive in this situation. Just because of the fact you're doing something that people are afraid to try to do anyway. Try to make something on their own. Heck, I had to get over that myself doing this podcast. Heck, I'm not making any money doing this podcast right now. But I am putting, I'm putting my heart and soul in this because I feel like I got a voice that I want to speak out and bring something to, you know, other people. Am I the smartest man on the planet? No. Do I have some wisdom in life? Yeah. Is everything I do when it comes to this show, is it going to be perfect? No, it's not. But... But I feel hopeful for the future. And when I get to speak to folks like yourself, man, it does give me hope because I'm getting to reach and reach out and talk to other different people, man. I've been talking to veterans, actors, comedians, pro wrestlers. I mean, I can go down the list and I'm getting to talk to an interesting man who's writing and crafting a work that I think people will love, man, because when it comes down to what this genre you're doing, I know plenty of people just in my hometown alone that would love this. Like, straight up. Show like, it to them. Like, I'd, I'd, love, to hear, I, I I'd love to hear what they think of I'm, it. I'm a, I want you to send me links so where they can access your stories, man. Because you, you put a lot of time and effort in this. I can tell. I can feel the passion within you that you're bringing something great to the table it comes from the heart you want it to be fun you want people to think you're bringing a lot of different concepts into one plot man i think you don't realize how great you really are man and i'm not saying this to be like some corny motivational speaker because (laughs) but just i i think you deserve deserve to feel yourself a little bit more and i'm saying that as a man that doesn't even know you I, appreciate I think it, it is going to work know. out and it's okay to be scared. Heck, I'm scared too. Well, what I could say <laughs> I'm to really like your, scared. What I could say to your, your viewers about this is that 
there comes a point in your life where you've got an idea that just burns a hole into the back of your head. It drives you crazy. It's something you think about all hours of the day, every day. It's something you think about all hours of the day, every day. And you keep telling yourself, well, if I do this, nothing's going to come of it. True. It takes a lot of energy and a lot of bravery to be willing to take that risk to see where it goes. And the wonderful thing about it is that it's not going to be perfect, but going into it, that whole journey is such a invigorating experience of making it something of your own. I think the, the, the one moment for me where that came to a head was I had to record a Walla session. A Walla session is when you have several actors, uh, usually about four to five. I had about 15 come together and record voices to do background noises and stuff. And I had to, um, I had to have them record uh, a magical duel that happens in episode eight where we actually like played out. We actually like pantomimed all of the, the movements and stuff. And I've got a video of it somewhere on, on online um, where all of these people are like cheering, yelling, like they're in a Coliseum and they're like really excited and they're all cheering uh, for like how like exciting the scene is supposed to be. And when we hit cut, they're all laughing and they're all having such a good time. In the back of my head, I'm thinking, okay, I would not trade this for anything. Yes. Yes. Whether or not your, your creation turns out to be like good or not, you're going to get something out of it. That's true, man. And that's what I'm talking about right there, man. Like, you just kind of, like, you kind of summarized it, man. This is why I do this, man. Like, the people I have talked to, especially in these last two months, man, I I wouldn't trade it for the world, man, because it's educated me. It's put another, it's put me in another, like, state where I am kind of consciously more aware about some of the things I say or what I do. Oh, yeah, man. Or how I just view the world that's the great thing about having discussion that's the great thing about creating i you just hit the nail on the head on why me and you do this that you know what i you know what can we be friends i think we could do that (laughs) yes i'm sorry because i like you i already i like you a lot man you seem like a very humble dude and I want nothing but success for you. I want you to give me links. I want you to give me whatever I can to help with your show. Cause I really I know appreciate people that it. Would... Yeah, man. Like that's the great thing about us. Like, like doing this type of thing. Like the great thing about being podcasters is we can help each other. We can build each other up. I love building people up. I think everybody deserves to be built up, man. And what you're doing and, I think I think this this has potential to be greatness. And this is me saying this from 
um, like an even paid level. Like, I want to see you win, and I think you deserve that one. You seem like a man that wants to win. As long as you stay hungry, man, anything's possible. That's why I'm staying hungry out here. It takes a little bit of hunger to really get you going, man. Stay hungry. Stay humble. You know, uh, someone once said that ambition is probably one of the worst vices out there. I've never considered it that. Because <laughs> ambition got us a lot of really cool stuff in the long run. But, I mean, like, it's done a lot of horrible things, obviously. But, like... That has done some great things, too, man. I mean, but I think, think about it. Every every great book, every great movie had to require some level of ambition. Every great leader, man. Well, every great and terrible leader. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking about like just great, le- like a positive example. Okay, think about it. Like for me, you know, being African American, you gotta think like the great leaders we had in the past in the civil rights movement, man. Oh yeah. You know what I'm saying, like. Me and you were having this conversation. We're having dialogue. Like, we're from different places. Like, different backgrounds of how we grew up. Different ethnicities. All the values. Maybe we have some We have some similar values, I think. And it all started with ambition to make a change. Mm-hmm. So, I like the ambition that you have, man. You have passion. And clearly, you love what you're doing. I feel like I just had an Oprah moment. <laughs> I'm Maybe Black it's Oprah. Just a sign that you're getting there. I'm male Oprah, guys. I'm not Stedman. <laughs> Is Stedman even alive? I don't know. I'm sorry, but no. But let me stop being a dork for a second. But on a serious note, man, like, yeah. Ambition is key to anything. And you know what? If ambition is a vice, then I am addicted. You know what? Put it in the pipe and smoke it. Let's do it. Let's inhale. Get high off of it. And that was the cheesiest thing I've said this whole episode. So with that, I think we should go ahead and end it here. Um, (laughs) um, My man, where can they find you at? Plug, Plug some of your stuff, man. Like, let them know who you are, what you do, where they can find you. And, of course, I'll put in some links um, in the description as well. Sure. I have been Kennedy Phillips, editor, sound designer, Foley artist, and voice actor. You can find my work at kennedyphillips.org for a list of all the smatterings of nonsense that I have created over the years. If you want to listen to Magus Ilgar, you can visit magusilgar.com to download your copy today. The first three episodes are free on YouTube. We also have a series of trailers that explains all the really confusing bits in it, in a very succinct and entertaining way with lots of fancy pictures. Mm. Once again, visit MagusElgar.com to download your copy today. And that's M-A-G-U-S-E-L-G-A-R? That is correct. Magus Elgar. And with that, Mr. Kennedy Phillips... I will end it on this note. With a voice like this, you have a lot of power behind being these, doing these kinds of advertisements. So for your benefit, butt salad. Oh God. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how we're going to end this. My name is Anthony Anthem, AKA 
Black Fabio, a.k.a. Strider in a different dimension, a.k.a. Uh, the black, um, the black is back, aka, um, young Luther, aka Lex Luger, aka hit you with the drop kick like Mario Gennetti. And with that, we are out. <laughs> hey everyone, this is John Tolley inviting you to check out War of the Stars, a Star Wars podcast. Each week, me and my co host Christopher Stolley discuss the news and theories surrounding one of the largest franchi- movie franchises in the world. So join us every Wednesday at 8 Eastern as we travel to the galaxy far, far away, right here on Anchor FM and wherever fine podcasts are heard. You know, when you need CBD, vape juice, or a new mod, go to Vape Scorpion. 10859 Boston Avenue, Philadelphia, PA 19116. They are formerly known as East Coast Vapor. They have all your needs, all the equipment, all the juice. And hey, while you're there, sit down, enjoy a beer, bring your own, and just hang out with a bunch of cool people. So guys, if you really need your next vape machine or maybe you just want to try a locally made uh, juice, make sure you hit up Vape Scorpion. That's 1085 Boston Avenue, Philadelphia, PA 19116. Or give a call to 215-464-8273. Oh yeah, and make sure you let them know that Realm of the Mist Entertainment sent you. Why didn't the three little pigs go in for some kind of flat share scheme? Does Jesus get to choose which wine he turns it into? Why don't Sims have the upper body strength to climb out of a swimming pool? And does everybody really want to be a cat? I'm Will Baker. And I'm Alex Prescott. And if you're the type of person that overthinks these deep philosophical questions, then Think to the Brink is the podcast for you. From Disney characters to song lyrics, debates to social etiquette, tune in every week for your dose of paralysis by analysis. All topic suggestions are welcome. If you can think it... We can overthink it. Think to the brink. Available on all podcast platforms. Hey everyone, this is Dak. This is Liam. And this is White People Shit. We are a bi-weekly podcast. Whoa, 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 whoa. Maybe you're buying week. I'm straight and strong. It means twice a week, you douche. Oh. Yeah, listen to us twice a week. On White People Wednesdays, we talk about gay stuff, zombies, superhero sex positions. And on Feature Peep Fridays, we interview the Feature Peep of the Week. Yeah, like a fucking furry. Just search WPS Podcast and look for the white dude in red pajamas. We're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. We believe in equal opportunity humor, where all things can be made fun of. So if your feelings get hurt and you're offended, you can always eat a dick. He said that she said, how dare you say that? That's offensive. Well, someone's got to say it. It had to be said with Venus. Catch the live show Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Check out the recordings at any time. Guest shows weekly. Listener, beware. Mature content. Sexual content. Trigger warning. Do you dare say it? Hi, my name's Chris, and I'm here to tell you about 
Realm of the Mist podcast. Realm of the Mist podcast, we talk about all the great entertainment things from movies, music, books, comic books, and many, many other forms of entertainment, as well as politics, current events, and just general humor and having a good time. If you're looking for a podcast that is right up your alley, look no further than Realm of the Mist podcast here on anchor.fm or where fine podcasts can be heard. Hi, this is Dave from the Comic Collection at 83 Bustleton Pike in Feasterville, Pennsylvania. Our phone number is 215-357-3332. We are right next to Northeast Philadelphia. We have action figures, gaming, statues, albums, and CDs, graphic novels, other knickknacks, and, of course, comics. Established in 1985, we are your go-to store. Come by and say hello, and say that the guys from RadioCast FM Radio sent you. The address again is 83 Bustleton Pike, Feasterville, Pennsylvania, or call 215-357-3332. Three-eyed turtle? Is that all right? <laughs> a fucking a three-eyed turtle. Who wants a mustache ride? Are you tired of the same old podcasts with no humor? <laughs> well, join us for After Hours, where everything is funny, at least to us, on <laughs> Anchor.fm, and where oh quality God. podcasts are heard. How the fuck did we get on this? <laughs> I don't know. The FCC started this shit. It's their fucking fault. 